Welcome back. My guest this week is Marsha Thompson. Before getting into the intro about Marsha, let's talk about Engineered Sleep. Engineered Sleep has been an amazing partner of mine, and the synergy is perfect because I love to talk about sleep and understand the importance of sleep. And the team at Engineered Sleep, exactly what they are doing is working with their clients and their customers on finding the best mattress for them so they can get the best night's sleep possible. If you are thinking about getting a new mattress, reach out to the team at Engineered Sleep. You can either go to their website at engineeredsleep.com. You can go visit them at their showroom in Greenville, South Carolina, or just give them a call Use promo code LIVE10 or mention the podcast. You'll get 10% off your order. Uh, But most importantly, get yourself a new mattress, start sleeping better, and that in turn, performing better on a daily basis. So to Marsha Thompson, Um, she is hands down probably one of my favorite people around and fortunate enough for me, she is also an incredible yoga teacher. And I've been taking her class for probably five, six years now. And I've always been curious about how she came, became so amazing at what she does. And if you haven't taken one of her classes, it might be hard for you to understand. But each and every class, she has a message. And somehow, it always resonates with the people. And it's so common to hear, hey, Marsha, like your message is something I really needed to hear today. And it just like picked me up or whatever it might be. And so I wanted to have her on to discuss her journey and how she got to where she is today. So we talked through her life growing up, um, all the sports she played, her beautiful daughter, um, her love of fashion, and of course, her journey practicing yoga. Uh, Marsha was an incredible guest, and I can't wait to see what she continues to do um, in her life and her accomplishments and the things she has going forward. So Without further ado, here is my conversation with Marsha Thompson. Welcome to Live Life in Motion, where the goal is to bring you conversations that give you the power of education so you can use those tools to optimize your life on a personal and professional level to better yourself, your community, and those around you. Marsha, my favorite yoga teacher and one of my favorite people, Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Hey, Sam. Thank you for having me. I am doing wonderful today. So happy to be here. Yes. And uh, I've been thinking about having you on for quite some time. and I'm glad we can make it happen because I don't know what it is about your message and the way you teach, but I think it resonates with a lot of people. So I've always been interested in how you got so good at what you do and the importance of yoga. But I want to take it back to the beginning like what was your childhood like you grew up in Greenville what was family life like what was that like so yes I am originally from Greenville um I lived here until let's see I moved to Atlanta for college in 2009 so very end of 2009 I moved to Atlanta um it is there that I went to college uh, kind of late. I was about 23, <laughs> but you know, better late than never. Right. Sure. Um, and, uh, I went to college and studied fashion, uh, retail management and marketing. Um, growing up here in Simpsonville, Malden area. I went to Hillcrest high school, home of the Rams. That's right. <laughs> I got a good friend that went to Hillcrest. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's changed a lot, but mm-hmm. you know, I graduated in, um, 
well, we'll keep that private. You yes. don't have to know what year. <laughs> <laughs> was growing up, did you did you experience yoga? Like, were you into health and fitness as like a teenager? Um, I was always active growing up, um, not yoga specifically, but I am grateful because I think it has helped me with yoga now. So when I was really young, uh, the first thing I tapped into was gymnastics. Nice. I didn't do it for very long, long enough to create a permanent injury in one of my arms. Dang. <laughs> yes. Um, so I probably did it for like two years. Um, and then after that, I did uh, track and field. And I also played soccer. Nice. Yep. And in high school, I did soccer, track, and competitive cheerleading. Dang, so you were super active. So, so active, yes. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the injury in your elbow? So I dislocated my elbow, Ooh. right? But the thing is, it wasn't like a typical dislocation. So they said because it didn't go to one side or the other, like it popped up, let's say, to the right instead of going to the left, mm. I ended up having um, this... It would have been better if I had just broken it. So now I still, I can show you, I can't straighten my arm. If you can see, there's this, see this bend? Mm -hmm. It's always there. Really? And I can't touch my shoulder. Has it limited you at all with yoga? It is a little bit limiting because I don't have the rotation. Like I can't even flip my palm over mm -hmm. and I can't like go all the way. So like the rotation is very limited there. So, and it's harder doing things when I want to do like handstands, anything I have to have really straight arms. Yeah, for. yeah, yeah. It's limiting, but... Like locking out your elbows. Yeah, but it's all good. When you went to college, did you have a dream of, like, being in the fashion world and, like, starting a fashion line and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. <laughs> you've, got, you've, you've gotten into fashion some through yoga as well. Yes, I have. Was that your... Um, when you got out of college, did you get into the fashion industry? So, while I was in college, I was a retail manager. So it kind of helped me like going through school because that was also part of my degree. Um, so I was able to be like in the store and I made me realize, okay, what parts of fashion I wanted to do and not want to do. Initially, I wanted to be a buyer. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna be a buyer when I leave from college. And when I actually left Atlanta to come back here to Greenville, mm -hmm. it was just going to be like a pit stop. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pit stop in Greenville maybe a year and then I'll find my dream job as a buyer somewhere. In like New York or LA New or York, Miami. Nice. Ultimately Paris if you want to, you know, have the real <laughs> the real deal. Like that was life. I had it figured out. Definitely fashion. When did do you remember your first yoga class? Um I do remember my first yoga class and it would be two different scenarios. So the very first time I ever experienced yoga was actually prenatal yoga. Okay. And so I was pregnant with my daughter and so that was many years ago. So that was my first experience with yoga. And then when I moved to Atlanta is when I went to a more um, traditional class, not prenatal. So, and now I'm looking back on it, I know that it was Bikram yoga. Okay. But at the time, I didn't know. I was just going and I'm like, oh, it's really hot in here. This yeah. is really great. This is, I have been athletic. So before then, my idea of yoga is just, oh, we're just in here stretching and being really quiet. And, you know, so that was my yeah. idea of what I thought yoga was until I had that experience. You know, I think that's a misunderstanding of yoga still today. Like True. when I talk to my friends, a lot of guys too, um, they don't really fully understand the power that yoga can have for the, for the body. When 
when you so you first experienced yoga did it click like hey this is pretty cool or did it take time for you to like go back to yoga back to traditional yoga maybe some heated yoga like how did that evolve so when i first experienced that bikram class i was hooked i was really yes i was hooked um i loved the heat i loved the sweat and um I loved how good I felt mm-hmm. on the inside. I always tell people, like, I literally felt like I had just taken a shower on the inside of my body. Not so much on the outside, but definitely on the inside. I felt really refreshed. I felt rejuvenated. I felt really clean. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I didn't really understand what was happening, but I knew I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. So I got hooked. Um, like most studios now, they were doing, like, first month, $30 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And I signed up for that and was going to yoga like every single day. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of common for people because once they experience, they can get it hooked and they go every, I know that's how it was for me. Like, yeah, I remember my sister brought me to Seoul and I was in there the first time and then I was in there like the next hundred days. Yep. <laughs> Very addicting. Was that in Atlanta? That was in Atlanta. Did it you, was when I was in college. Yeah. Did you have aspirations of being a teacher? Not at that time, no. No? How did that form? So I actually didn't even get aspirations of being a teacher until... So after I had that experience, um, I also, then I started diving into other yoga studios. Because um, at that time, I'm like a halfway poor college student. I'm like... <laughs> so I seen another ad pop up that was like 30 days, try this studio. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this yeah. studio. And it was called, at the time, Infinity Yoga. And it was more um, like a power flow studio. It wasn't the traditional like Bikram, the set sequence. Um, So I started going there. I did their 30 day thing. And at this point I'm like, okay, I'm hooked. I got to pay for like a membership. (laughs) And so I started going as a member and I asked um, the lady who was the owner at the time, if I had to have a certain skill set or a certain amount of time before I could become a teacher, because at this point I'm like addicted now. It's been like probably six months in. Mm-hmm. I'm at my full-time job, like looking at the clock, like I'm ready to get off so I can go to yoga class. In like, Atlanta? Yes, this is in Atlanta. And even though I love my job, I'm like, I want to go to yoga. Yeah. Um, so at that point, it still wasn't like thinking of becoming a teacher so much, but I wanted to know more about what was happening in my body. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I didn't even think I'm going to be a teacher. I just wanted to go through the training because I want to know why I feel so good. Yep. And um, so after having that conversation with her, I got signed up for their next teacher training. And even in the very end of that teacher training, I still wasn't sure that I wanted to be a teacher. I knew that I was going to move back home to Greenville. Mm-hmm. And again, I still have dreams of I'm going to be this big fashion guru, right? So (laughs) yoga is not even really in in the cards. I'm just going to practice yoga. And so um, I say, I don't know what I'm going to do when I move back home. I say this to my yoga teacher at the time. She's like, you're going to teach yoga. And I'm like, what? She's like, you went through the teacher training. You're going to teach yoga when you get back home to Greenville. (laughs) I'm like, maybe I will. Well, she saw the passion. Yeah, so I think that was my first thought of like maybe I'll be a yoga teacher and through all this through college Atlanta becoming in love with yoga you also had your daughter yes so I actually had my daughter before I moved to Atlanta okay when I moved to Atlanta she was one years old so she was still a baby and so 
while I'm in Atlanta, I'm driving back to Greenville almost every weekend. Okay. Because at the time, she was still here with my family. Gotcha. So I was driving back to Greenville like every weekend. Has she gotten into yoga at all? No, not at all. Have you tried? I have tried, and she says it's too <laughs> hot in there. And I tell you, she's she has to because she can't hardly touch her toes. <laughs> I'm like, you're 13. You can't not be able to touch your toes. <laughs> Is, but she likes volleyball. She plays oh, volleyball. Nice. So. Does she have your athletic genes? She, her dad is actually super athletic too. So she's naturally athletic, but she doesn't have the same. We were very competitive. Uh-huh. She's just kind of chill. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at this. So, you know, if I try, I'm going to be good at it, you know, but because I have a natural ability, Dang. but if I don't win, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, what? We're like, no. <laughs> you mentioned she said she didn't like it being hot, which I feel like is a love of mine, right? right. I love being in there when it's really hot. Is that kind of your style? You will mainly always teach hot yoga, or do you teach traditionally or traditional non-hot yoga too? Uh, I can do either or. Mm-hmm. I do really love the heat, and there's so many benefits to it that I will not. I would not prefer to teach if it's like cold, and that <laughs> cold can mean lots of things, right? I mean, we're in the south, so it's usually not typically like cold. Um, but it can feel cold when you used to heat a yoga. If it's like 75 degrees in the mm-hmm. room, you're like, this is cold. Um, because it takes so long to heat up the body, the body moves a lot easier with the heat. Mm-hmm. So the benefit there is so much better for me and for the students that that is what I would definitely prefer. Mm-hmm. And like now getting older, I'm like, Ugh, taking a little bit longer to get the body warm. So I'd rather it not take 30 minutes to warm the body yeah. Because five minutes in, we're like sweating. Exactly. So we prefer that. <laughs> well, so you said you did the first training at the studio. Was that like a 200-hour training or what type of training was that? Yeah, so I did my first training in Atlanta and it was a 200-hour. Yep. Yep. And you moved back to Greenville. Your teacher tells you you're going <laughs> to teach. So where did you start teaching? So my very first teaching jobs were Seoul. Um, and 90 degree. And then maybe a month later, I was teaching at Zanti, which is no longer here. But for us OGs, we know Zanti. Yeah. Um, so Seoul and 90 degree, I got pretty much around the exact same time. And how long have you been teaching in Greenville? Um, a little over six years now. What was the yoga culture in Greenville back then? I feel like it's probably picked up. It has picked up and it has changed a little bit too. So I feel like when I first started teaching here, um, so I'll tell you this vulnerable story, right? So (laughs) for me, yoga, there was always like a message behind it. Mm -hmm. Even though I love the asanas, I love the physical practice. It definitely has um, its benefits and, but it's just a vehicle to get us deeper to something, you know, more. Mm -hmm. So to me, I did not know yoga without this message attached to it. Mm And so I can remember even when I did my demos um, at like Seoul and at 90 Degree, I attached this message to it because to me, that's what yoga was. Wow. And so when I started teaching yoga, though, and actually got like in the studio, was teaching, taking other people's classes, no one else really did that. So I felt kind of like odd, like... Okay, and I thought people were thinking, like, she's a weirdo. (laughs) Like, we're not here to hear her preach to us. Like, we don't really want to know about all this stuff. Everybody was super into the physical part. Mm -hmm. 
everybody wanted to kick up into handstands and, you know, like, and, and that's fine and it's cool and it's fun and it's, and it's also a vehicle to get people into class. So if I say I'll teach you a handstand, that's yeah. like, a lot more enticing than to say, let's go chant. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that, right? So, um, yeah, I had this moment in my teaching to where I was like, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop attaching this message to my class because I didn't really have any confidence in teaching anyway because I was brand new to teaching mm -hmm. and nobody else did it. So I'm like, this is just really weird. Maybe I'll just keep that for, you know, for myself. And um, what made me actually not stop, obviously, because today I still do it. It's the best. Thank you. <laughs> it became like this thing. People started saying to me like, I come to your class because I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay. And then I remember I had a friend one day, I had told her I was going to stop doing it. And she told me like, Marsha, don't ever change. Mm -hmm. Like, don't ever change how you're teaching. Be you and do what you're doing. And that is one of the main reasons I like continue to keep the message. And then with people then reaffirming to me like that it was okay. Mm -hmm. But before I'm like, nobody's saying anything that I think I'm weird. Like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think the message from a teacher could go both ways. Yeah. Somehow, you have such a, like an elegant way of delivering it. Thank you. It's very special. I mean, I it's a common to hear. Like, I don't know how Marsha does it, but like, <laughs> I needed to hear this, and somehow she magically knew that's <laughs> what I needed to hear, and it's in your message. And I wanted to talk about your message because that is one thing I think that like puts you above the rest of a lot of teachers I've been around because of exactly what I just said. So what is your, how do you, how do you create your message? How do you create your theme on a weekly class basis? Uh, I heard this, asked this question so many times <laughs> and it's actually not that easy to answer. Um, so there are many different ways. Um, so say I'm like, I read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts mm -hmm. or even if I'm on social media, like scrolling and I see something that just kind of jumps out at me, mm -hmm. I may like save it or screenshot and just like have like an archive basically. Or if I'm listening to a podcast, I'm like, it may like mm, inspire something in me and I'll be like, oh, I love what they said and I can build off of it. So I might just like put it in my notes or kind of like write about it. And I don't really have a specific and say, oh, this is what I'm going to do this week. Mm -hmm. When I put it in the archive, it's just kind of there waiting for when it's the right time, Got it. you know, for it to come alive. It's easy to do a theme around, okay, if I'm going to like do shoulders or hips or, you know, a, a certain peak pose, that's yeah, yeah. easy. Um, but the message is kind of what, for me is the most important. Like I can't, that's secondary. Uh, the flow is secondary to the message. So to me, as long as the message is like there and people can resonate, mm -hmm. um, the flowing and the physical part that comes, you know, later to yeah. it. So I actually don't even come up with the theme until the morning. So I usually change the flow every week. Mm -hmm. The first time I teach it right now is going to be on Tuesdays at noon. So Tuesdays about nine o'clock, I'm writing the message. Dang. So like that that morning before. And I might have an idea. I may have gone through like kind of looked at my archive and really whatever pulls at me. 
it, it is how I, I do it. I do a lot of meditation and things like that. So it's kind of, it's kind of spiritual, kind of whatever I felt led to. That's yeah. how I pick. Yeah. To put you on the spot a little bit, do you have your message of this week? Um, yes, I do have my message of this week. Will you deliver it to me? I will kind of try to sum it up for you. So it's, <laughs> it's a little bit cliche. Um, Let me close my eyes over here. All right. So, I mean, basically what the message this week is about um, spring cleaning okay. and welcoming ourselves to this spring, this new season. We're in the first week of spring. So welcoming ourselves to this new season. Um, the winter season is gone. The heaviness of winter um, that season is now past and how can we move into this new season of spring where we're lighter, we're more vibrant. Um, spring, uh, is a season for renewal, rebirth, regrowth. And most people think of spring and in a sense of spring cleaning, I'm going to clean my closet. I'm going to clean my baseboards in my kitchen. I'm going to clean up my refrigerator. I'm going to declutter everything, old toys, old clothes, whatever, just getting rid of all these things. So the message is to spring clean your home of your body, your mind, your spirit. So how can you declutter your mind? Yeah. Um, how can you get rid of skeletons like in your closet? Um, these things that really keep us heavy. Mm -hmm. So just tying in the spring cleaning sense into like our physical body. Yeah. So putting that first, making it a priority to declutter your mind with like meditation or taking walks or going to yoga, riding bikes, whatever it is mm -hmm. that, that you like to do. And that's yeah. honestly so true because so many people get caught up in like, hey, I need to clean up my house or like my car, but they rarely will think like internally, like right. your brain, your mind yeah. has so much clutter going, especially like you said, like coming out of winter, going into spring, there's so many changes, so many things happening. And for you, like you mentioned meditation, is that something you do during meditation? Like, do you try and get rid of thoughts or like have different thoughts like going into each week about things you want to do and accomplish? So typically in meditation, um, most people believe that we're trying to like stop the thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's inevitable. We can't stop our thoughts like until we're dead. Right. So, <laughs> so to sit in meditation is to kind of just slow down the thoughts gotcha. to just kind of observe and see what is there to maybe change it, maybe not change it in some spaces. You may need to change it. You may just need to observe, like I'm having this negative thought. I'm having this negative feeling. Um, and now I just, I brought attention to it and I brought awareness to mm -hmm. it. So that's the the thought of meditation. Now, and if you want to dive deeper, there are different types of meditation. One is called Japa meditation. And it is where you connect to it like an intention. So say I had this negative thought and now I'm going to replace that negative thought with a positive thought. And I'm going to continue with that mantra, saying that positive thought over and over mm -hmm. and over again. So it could be replacing the yeah. thought or it could not be. It could be just observing like, you know, oh, I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm just sitting here, you know, just really just trying to quiet the mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think about it too as like chatter. Like there's yep. a lot of chatter going on in your brain. And inherently, I think most people have a ton of negative chatter instead of positive chatter. And what I've tried to do is recognize if it is like a negative thought or chatter and be like, hey, like that's probably not going to happen or like whatever right. that thought is. So let's flip it around and, and try and make that a positive thought. 
Live Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Engineered Sleep. Engineered Sleep is a mattress manufacturer and they are based out of Greenville, South Carolina. They have been making mattresses for as long as I can remember and their main goal is to make finding the quality mattress for you as easy as possible. Um, they have a showroom in Greenville, but you can also visit them at their website, engineeredsleep.com. If you go to their website, use code LIVE10 and you will get 10% off. As you guys know, sleep is the number one thing you need to focus on for good health. And it all starts with your mattress. So stop putting it on the back burner. Go get yourself a mattress from Engineered Sleep and start living a better life. Being a yoga teacher... Do you feel like you have to uphold like a persona like around the community as like because you're like there's things about like it's uh, not non-judgmental, right? Mm -hmm. There's like all these things that can go along with yoga. Do you feel that as like a pressure or like um, something you have to uphold? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. And the answer is yes and no. Like so so there is this pressure because people look at you like, okay, you're, you're supposed to help us. You're, you know, you, you got it all figured out. But at the end of the day, I don't. I have nothing figured out. I'm just like everybody else, you know? Like, we're practicing together. We're doing this together. I have not arrived. You know, none of us have arrived. So I'm in the practice just like everybody else. But there is a little bit of a pressure to feel like, yeah, people put you up on this pedestal and think, like you don't get angry or mm -hmm. you don't, but I do. That's why I have to meditate. Like, <laughs> you know, the same thing for me as for anybody else, the only difference. So, um, Paramahansa Yogananda, who's a, a guru, he has this quote that I always, I love. And, and it says the only difference between you and I is that I practice. <laughs> so I may get angry a lot slower, mm -hmm. but that's just because I've been in the practice, you know, trying to come back to maybe that won't, anger me so quickly now somebody who doesn't have the tool of practicing it they don't know yet yeah so that's the only difference between me and another person so yeah there is a little bit of pressure there ultimately yes but at the end of the day I, I have to realize like I'm a human being so mm -hmm. you know I have human thoughts and human actions and human responses yeah, yeah. and through that practicing and the things that you do you probably handle frustration and anger in a much calmer or maybe better way of handling it yes for sure is there another thing you might do like another exercise or another like routine that you might get into if like you are really stressed or really frustrated um i don't do much beyond yoga yeah. and meditation only because it just works so well for me mm -hmm. um Sometimes I'll do like um, other type of workouts, like work uh, cardio workouts. Like I was going to shred for 15 for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And was doing like hit workouts. And those are good for me, but I, can, I just always come back to yoga because mm -hmm. it's um, and like breathing exercises, but it's all still under the umbrella of yoga. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have everything I need in this yeah. yoga practice, you know? Well, you really do. And I think for longevity, for yeah. like humans, yoga is almost the perfect practice. Right. If there was someone that's never experienced yoga, never been to one of your classes, and they were thinking about it more of a physical aspect, and they said, you know, what does it do to, for me physically? What would you tell them? So there are tons of physical benefits as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
for one this week we're actually doing a lot of twisting so in the <laughs> twisting uh, the benefit is to detox your body right so we're twisting detoxing our large and small intestines um, they're back bends that wake up the central nervous system um, and makes you feel more alive you have these postures that are opening kind of cracking open the heart that makes you more soft um, there's obvious more flexibility mm -hmm. all over the body there's more strength in especially in power yoga we're doing like 50 chaturangas you yeah. know right so there's more strength <laughs> you find more balance through like the balancing postures yeah yeah is there a certain muscle group that yoga targets more than others is it like the small muscles or like the it's total body it is certain poses uh particular particularly yes um and overall you're right it is more for smaller muscles kind of mm -hmm. more those uh stru structural muscles that mm -hmm. are like like so strengthen you know, the joints and, and right. stuff. Right. You notice the body get like more lean as opposed to somebody who's strength training every day. Their goal may be to like bulk up. Mm -hmm. And so it may look physically, you know, like you can see their muscle more. A lot of yogis in being in shape doesn't mean like we don't have like a six pack. Yeah. Like, you know, but like the muscles underneath are really, really strong. Mm -hmm. So you're able to use your core to like lift up into things like handstands and do arm balances yeah. and things like that. But it may not look so much like it because it is working the smaller muscle groups more so than what I would call like booster muscles. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like handstands and stuff. It takes so much strength. So much strength. It's absurd. What's your <clears throat> technique to get into your breath? Like for to like find your breath. Like, do you do four seconds in, four seconds out? Do you do any of that type of stuff for yourself? Yes. So there's one called um, alternate nostril breathing, or Nadi Shadanam is what it is in Sanskrit, but alternate <laughs> nostril. So you toggle back and forth between each nostril, okay. and it's a cleansing, um, a breathing technique, and it balances the right and left hemispheres of your brain to bring more balance to your body. There are so many different types. There's like Kapalabhati, Breath of Fire, where um, to explain it, like one might be like a sharp inhale and a sharp exhale, or like a sharp inhale and a passive exhale, or vice versa. Got it. So there's all these different techniques that you can use. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, good old fashioned taking a deep breath yeah. is always to, you can go back to. What do you tell your class about breathing? Um, I tell them. As long as you're breathing, you're doing yoga. <laughs> as long as you are breathing, you're doing yoga. That's our number one job, right? Um, but typically in yoga, we use what is called ujjayi breath. Um, so we're sealing the lips together and we're trying to breathe in and out of the nose. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to do for one hour, um, as you know. Yeah. So a lot of times you're, you're, we're doing all of these things. We're going through the flow. We're trying to concentrate and we're sweating. And it's like, oh my God, I'm about to die. And Marsha's over here telling me I can do it. I'm not sure I can do it. And then I like, I want to roll my eyes at her if I do one more boat pose, you know? So all these things are going on. Mm -hmm. So if you can just like come back to your breath when you notice, like, I stopped breathing. So let me just come back to my breath, center mm -hmm. myself. So I always try to remind the class through the entire way to just breathe. Breathe. Yeah. And in and out of your nose. I think uh, nostril breathe or nasal breathing yeah. is really, really beneficial for a lot of ways. Has there been a training or place you've gone that has been like, I don't know, your favorite or I feel like you're like most influential to your style? Yes, for sure. So I, <laughs> my teacher is actually in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um 
So I practice Ashtanga yoga. What so, is Ashtanga? So Ashtanga is a uh, just a branch of yoga, just like I told you, I walked into that Bikram class. Mm-hmm. So Ashtanga, it was created by Patavi Joyce. Um, and my teacher actually was is a direct was a direct student of his before um, he died, and now that lineage is being carried on by his grandson Sharath okay. Joyce. Um, and the Ashtanga method. Uh, so, for people who don't practice Ashtanga, you have there are six series all together, right? So it's super traditional. Six series. You start with the first one, which is the primary series. Primary series is difficult enough. To people, you'll either practice it for 10 years or you're like, I'm out of here. I'm going back to (laughs) flow class, right? Well, I don't have to do all this crazy stuff. But typically when you start practicing it, you don't do the whole thing. You build yourself up. So you may start with just like half of the series. And then the way it's taught traditionally, you're not a student that just comes in and do the whole thing. Your teacher gives you another pose. Gotcha. So you stop to where you are. And then when your teacher knows you're ready, they add on the next pose. And then you get all the way to full primary, and then you start adding on from the secondary. Dang. I tell you, now I'm in secondary, so I do full primary, and up to probably like the 12th or 13th posture in secondary. Wow. So my practice is almost two hours long. Wow. Yeah. And So it's one after the other, from the beginning of primary to where you are in secondary. Yes. And eventually, I'll drop primary and I'm just doing all of secondary. Right. And then you got to start adding on third series. And you're waiting on your teacher to tell you? Yeah. So <laughs> my teacher has to give me the next posture. So the one I'm in now, that's where I'm working. And that's what I, that my practice ends there when I'm doing a full practice until they tell me to have another. Do you go to Miami regularly? So I try to go to Miami uh, like once a year now um, because it's nice for me to also have a, a reset mm-hmm. is um, now I'm practicing with um, their yoga shala online and it's, it's very helpful too and I love that I have that because just like anybody else I'm even though I'm disciplined it's a lot uh, more intimidating when somebody's looking at you right on mm-hmm. the on the camera so I have to get up and put that on so I know I'm like doing my best because somebody's watching me yeah. right? Um, you but don't want to embarrass yourself I don't want to embarrass myself <laughs> right <laughs> is there so that's what's going to be one of my questions. Like how, how often are you practicing yourself, like learning new movements? And it sounds like you do that a lot. So traditionally, Ashtangi, you would practice six days a week and you're off on Sunday. Dang. So, but I only at this time in my life practice four days a week. And, <laughs> but that's why when I go to Miami, I'm able to practice six days a week. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like to go there, reset, build on my practice. And then, yeah, so here now I'm practicing four days a week. Are you incorporating, do you incorporate some of those new movements to your actual class? Yes, a ton of it. So if anybody practices Ashtanga, they come to my class, they see all the Ashtanga influence. I do lots of Ashtanga postures. Yep. And so what is, this is going to sound stupid, but what is the description or like language you use sometimes in class to describe a pose or a sequence? So that is called Sanskrit. Sa- Sanskrit? Yeah, yep, yeah, Sanskrit, like S-A-N-S-K-R-I-T. Got it. Yep. Where is that from? So it's from my, what I've learned is uh, considered like a holy language. Mm-hmm. And it's like a really old language, like one of the first languages, right? And so it's used in yoga. It helps because it's the same no matter wherever you go, right? Uh-huh. So I might not know Italian, 
So I want to go take a yoga class in Italy. Yep. Teachers speaking Italian. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but if they say trikonasana, I know that means triangle because uh, that's yoga like language, you know? And um, philosophically, the language carries behind it vibrations uh, uh, like for the body also. So, yeah. Can you tell me some um, movements? The one that like I would know the name and then say it in Sanskrit for me. Um, you would know upward facing dog, Urdhva Mukha Svanasana. I know it can really twist your, your tongue up. And what is like Warrior Two? Warrior Two is Virabhadrasana B or Virabhadrasana uh. Two. In Ashtanga, we have A and B. Okay. And usually other yogas is like one and two. Let's say. <laughs> have you had the opportunity to travel the world some to practice yoga? So my most favorite so far has been uh, to Greece. I did a yoga retreat in Greece. Um, God, the years are now. I don't. I think it was 2018 or 2019. Definitely pre-pandemic. So either 18 or 19. <laughs> That's probably my favorite so far. Why? Um. I think because there it felt so light, the energy and the people were, the energy and the vibration just seemed very um, peaceful and calm. And where we were doing yoga, we're like looking out and you just see like mountain and like water and Man. it was so beautiful. I've never been to Greece, but it is yeah. on our list. It's amazing. My next to go, my next to go is Bali. Ooh. But the plane ride, I know, was going to be brutal. That's going to be long. It's going to be brutal. brutal. I'm going to have to gear up for I it. I think but... uh, Caitlin, my fiance, went to Bali to do a yoga oh, retreat one time. Yes, I want to. She's been a few places to do yoga, and I'm very jealous. Yeah. Is there, a t like, when you are putting together your weekly class, right, is there a structure you like to follow? Because I do notice, I think you do a good job of, I would say, 15 minutes of, like, warming up the body, and then... If you've ever taken Marsha's class, she clicks on the music and then it's really it's time, time to, to go. go. <laughs> <laughs> so what does your structure say of your class if it's an hour long? Um, yep, you're exactly right. So the first probably 15 minutes is going to be our warm up. Um, my class, it it can be for all levels, but we everybody who's been in my class is not like, oh, this class is super beginner friendly, right? So we're building up at the end of that hour to maybe reach this uh pose that's um i don't really like to use the word advanced but let's just say not your traditional basic posture mm -hmm. and it's gonna you're gonna need a little bit more strength a little bit more flexibility a little bit more openness so that 15 minutes kind of sets the foundation of where we're going and, and it's for the student too to see where their body is that day they may not want to take this peak pose per se um so the first 15 minutes are going to be the warm-up and then we go into that first part of flowing. Mm -hmm. That first part of flowing is usually a little bit slower. It's me introducing to you this flow that we're going to go into. Like the sequence. The sequence, exactly. And so when we do the right side and the left side, that first time, it's going to be a little bit slower, the, the creating of that side. And then by the time we hit the second time, it's the peak of class, we're moving. We're doing <laughs> and that. And we're sweating. And we're sweating. <laughs> we're doing that, what we just did slower, but now we're doing it Typically one breath, one movement. We're moving at a quicker pace. We're adding in, we're building upon the foundation, uh, throwing in some maybe more quote unquote advanced versions of the what we did the first side. And then after that, when you feel like death and you're like, I hate Marsha and I don't know why she's torturing me. <laughs> then we start to 
slow it down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you usually go through it three times? So usually three. The third one though is going to be shorter. It's like cut in half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What has um, I don't know if it surprised you, but what has been special about the community in Greenville and like almost like your tribe, basically like. I feel like you would have almost a lot of confidence in the people that like know you, support you, and will come to your class. Surprise is actually a good word to use. Yeah, okay. I was very surprised, especially when I first started teaching yoga. Um, I would say in the first year, um, I had to get used to people coming up and wanting to talk to me after class. Yeah, it wasn't something that. I, you know, my job in retail management, you know, you help the client, they leave, whatever. So I had to get used to people wanting to come up and talk and ask questions or just introduce themselves or just to say thank you. Because your message. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I really had to get used to that. And it was very surprising. Like, I'm like, wow. And they have really been um, such support. And it's very humbling and very... um, uh, I guess the word I could use is like grateful mm-hmm. for for the people and their support and how they allow me to just express yoga in the way that I feel comfortable with and that they enjoy it and like it and they receive it in a way that, you know, is supportive and for the community. Have you tried to uh, like bring some of your friends in and like get them more involved? I've tried, I try and bring my friends into yoga and like some will catch on, some won't right. catch on. Like, is your friend group into yoga or? Not so much, only because most of my friends don't live here. Mm-hmm. Um, my best friend from childhood lives in Colombia, and then um, the best friends that I have in my adult age from when I moved to Atlanta. So my friends mostly are not here, and I've made the good friends that I have now here through yoga. So they were already in yoga. You know everybody in yoga now. (laughs) So my friends now, they are like, I want to do yoga, I want to try it, and Mm -hmm. um, they really want to, so Mm -hmm. yeah. It's such, I mean, like you said, and we've discussed, it's not just benefits for your body, it's almost more benefits for your mind. Right. With, uh, With, you got a lot of tattoos. Yes. Do you have a tattoo that is most meaningful for you? Or what's your mindset around tattoos? Um, so there's a few tattoos. I'm like, I got those when I was younger. I wish I had not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my favorite is probably my most recent, the sleeve that I got done on my yeah. arm. Um, because in my adult age, I feel like now I know more of who I am. And um, a lot of, I have lotus flowers on there. And that's representative of yoga to me and just life in general. So the lotus flower, it represents, um, it's actually the flower of India. And it grows through mud and sticky waters and blooms to be this beautiful flower. So for life lessons for me, it's like even in sticky situations when you're in the mud, when you're in the thick of it, you can push through and bloom. And when you get to the top, you're like this beautiful version of yourself. Yeah. Um, And I have on here like a resting Buddha to remind me that in my journey, like to rest, to take time for yourself, because it's just as important as our work too. And then I have like flowers and mandalas and all that good stuff. Do you have a shop or where did you go to get it? I got it done in Atlanta. Nice. Yep. The same person did the whole thing. Five sessions. Five? Yes. I love tattoos. I try and like get all my friends to get tattoos and slowly (laughs) I think becoming like I don't know why the people would think like tattoos were like bad back in the day, but I yeah. love them. I think they're an expression of who you are or what you're going through. Like right. you mentioned some when you were young. I kind of like those tattoos because then it's like yeah. a 
a reminder of who you were at that age. Um, that is true. Like different, you know, stages in your life. That is true. So, Marsha, you obviously teach a good bit now. Where could people find you in Greenville currently? Like, where are you teaching? What studios? What's your schedule? So, um, teaching mainly at Soul Yoga. I teach at both the one in downtown and the one um, Five Forks. Um, and I teach at the Greenville Country Club. Yeah. For people that are members there, they can come. I'm there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And um, other than that, my teaching is more like I teach at Presbyterian College. Got it. You just can't come there. You have to be a you know, student, student or staff there. Yeah. And I'm always available for privates, so people can reach out to me and... I'm always willing to do privates. What's your like Instagram handle or where can they like get in for more information about you? It is Marsha underscore E-L-L-E. Marsha L. Yes, Marsha L. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we're ending, and thank you so much for being so gracious with your time. What is your message, if you have a message to like people or the community, if it was just like a general message to get through whatever they're getting through, to become better in life? Like, how do you look at that? Um, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, like you mentioned with the lotus flower. Yes. I mean, I think that's a great representation of being, right, you're, you look at mud and it's disgusting mud, it's messy, but out of that, right, becomes right. like this beautiful flower. Right. I feel like so many people can get stuck in the mud mm-hmm. and don't realize what they could become. Right. Um, I would say to... To keep going, like there's always light at the end of the tunnel, even when it feels like it's not. And when you're in the middle of it, like that's the worst. Like you don't want to go on. You may not want to get up. You may not want to, you know, like just go through the day, but to just keep going. Um, Actually, I was listening to, I think it was Steve Harvey and he was like, if you're in hell, why would you stop? <laughs> like, why would you stop there? Right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to keep going. And so I also have this favorite mantra that I say to myself, Typically, every day and multiple times a day, everything is always working out for me. So regardless of what it looks like, um, I guess if I could leave that with people, like to just know, even if you have to just keep telling yourself over and over again, even when it doesn't seem like it, everything is always working out for me. There you go. Well, Marsha, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pleasure to get an inside look about really who you are, because I've been looking up to you for quite some time now and your messages, and your classes, and the person you are. So thank Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, click subscribe on your listening platform for upcoming conversations.